Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, everyone. Welcome here this morning. Glad that you're here. I uh, don't have time to try and be funny this morning, other than how I already look. We're tight for time today. We've got some special things that are going to happen, so I'm going to dive straight in and We're going to dive into week two on week three of our parenting series that we entitled The Real Planned Parenthood. And like Ryan mentioned in week one, which was three weeks ago, which makes sense because it's now week two. Anyways, I won't get into that. The title is maybe a little bit edgy, The Real Planned Parenthood. But we believe that when it comes to having and raising kids, one of the biggest mistakes that we can make is not having a plan, a goal, and a strategy. So we feel that it's very important to get those things in place if we're going to have kids, or once we have kids and are in the process now of raising them. Too often we set out with little more than the objection, objective of having kids, and then the hope that somehow they're just going to turn out. That over time, they're going to instinctively know how to discern what's good and bad, and they're going to adopt the things that are good, they're going to refute the things that are bad, you know, turn away from that stuff and just follow the right path. We don't necessarily subscribe to that as as a good strategy. So we think that we need a little bit more. More than just that general objective, and the hope that goes with it. But let me say right now that even if we do indeed set out with a goal and a plan and a strategy, it is not a guarantee that our kids are going to turn out the way that we want, that they're going to necessarily follow our plan, that they'll adopt our priorities and our goals for themselves, and that they'll turn out the way that we want. Kids are independent people. They have their own minds. And they're going to grow up to exercise their own decisions and choices. And that means that there isn't a guarantee, that we can't guarantee the outcome. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way that they should go, and they won't depart from it when they are old. And so oftentimes, we adopt that. Those of us in the church adopt that as some sort of a promise from God that as long as I train them up properly that they're going to come back, they're going to end up going where they're supposed to go. And it's not a promise. What Solomon is giving us there in Proverbs is a piece of good wisdom. But it's not a promise. What he means is, is that if we take the time and energy put in to place a plan 
and try and raise up our kids in the way that they should go, that there's a considerably better chance that they will not depart from it when they're older, that they will end up following that. And conversely, that if we don't put into practice a plan with priorities and a strategy to accomplish them, that there's a much greater likelihood that they won't end up where we want them to when they're older. So that's not a guarantee, but it is good wisdom. And that's where we're going to go today. But before we do, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Father, this morning again, we stop and we say thank you for the gift of kids. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we're not here to do this on our own, and that you come alongside us and will help us to, to navigate raising them. I pray this morning that you would help us to understand that just a little bit better, that in very real and simple terms, that we would understand better our priority in raising our kids and that we would be able to adopt some strategies and some tools that would help us to accomplish that. And so to that end, would you work in our hearts and our minds this morning? Would you just, uh, again, enable us to be uh, able to adopt these things, to, to appropriate them for ourselves, um, so that we would be able to benefit for it, from it with our kids and that they would be able to benefit as well. So to that end, I pray and I ask these things in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Okay, so this morning... Really quickly, like Ryan said, we've got some other people that are going to come and talk to us this morning as well. But really quickly, I want to just set out what our priority should be as parents in raising our kids. And then take a really quick look at some ways that we can hopefully best accomplish that. Our goal in raising kids ought to stem from our goal or our purpose as people, ourselves. And that is namely to respect and honor God. Our goal as people is to follow God, to know Him, to respect Him, and to accomplish His commands. We find this specifically laid out in a few places in Scripture. Among them are Isaiah 43, verse 7, where God Himself is speaking to us, and He says this, Everyone who is called by my name, note this next line, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. So from God himself, we see that those he's created, he has created for his glory. Ecclesiastes picks up on this and expands on it a little bit more. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. Solomon says to us there, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Solomon studied life. He examined it from top to bottom, stem to stern. And he concluded that our objective is to fear God and keep his commandments. That is our whole duty as man. That is the sum of it right there. And then we see Jesus himself in his life by the way he lived it, and then what he said affirmed these things as well. Look at John 17, verse 4. Jesus here speaking, praying to God the Father, says this. John 17, verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So Christ, again, comes along and attests that 
as I do what God has asked me to do, that we bring him glory. We bring God the Father glory. Therefore, just as you and I then are called to do this ourselves, our goal then in having kids and raising them is to reproduce that same objective in them. That they themselves, our kids, would come to know God. That they would honor and respect Him and that they would follow Him. Thankfully, it's not rocket science. It gives people like Fran and I hope. It's a simple goal. It's the same one that I have for myself. That I need to learn to fear God, to know Him, to honor Him, respect Him, and follow Him. Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy. If you have your Bibles... If you need a pew Bible, they're right in front of you. Or if you want, you can just follow on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Moses unpacks this as we look specifically at how we're to pursue that objective as parents. Read with me. It starts in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, in a few short verses... Moses gives us a whole bunch of things that we could begin to understand and appropriate for ourselves. And you'll remember that as, as Moses is writing these things, he is talking to the children of Israel, and he's launching them off, and he knows that they're going to be going into the promised land without him, that he's not going to be able to, to go with them, that he's going to have to send them out on their own. And so it's paramount for him. It's an imperative that he would set them up and give them the information that they need so that they would be able to pursue their lives appropriately and accordingly so that God would be able to bless them as they go into the promised land. And, and he starts to outline for them all these commandments, all these things that are so important about who God is, what he has done, what his priorities are how they're to pursue life. And he comes to this part here, and he says to us, first of all, these things are to be on our hearts. Ryan talked about that in week one of the series, that we need to get these things in place for ourselves. It is not going to work out nearly as well if we're trying to tell our kids to do what we don't do ourselves. You've heard that line, don't do as I do, just do as I say. I'm here to tell you it doesn't work. When we model it ourselves, our kids are going to be that much more prone to pick it up and carry on, to follow suit. So he says that these things are to be on our hearts. But then he comes, verse 7, he says, now impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This morning, there's a bunch of things that we could start to unpack from there, but we're going to look at just three things. Three things that we can learn from Moses about how we should develop our plan or what our plan should look like for teaching our kids. 
So number one, our plan should be intentional. We see that from Moses. He doesn't get up and tell the children of Israel to just be haphazard in your approach. Don't worry, guys. The kids will figure it out. No. He says, be intentional. Don't be haphazard. Make this a priority in your life, day by day by day. And as that is the case for them, it is so the case for us, that we should be day by day finding ways that we can weave God into our daily worlds, our daily life. Now, that doesn't mean that necessarily we set out at 9 o'clock, we're going to talk to them about the triune nature of God. And in the afternoon, we're going to talk about this. But that rather, that as we encounter the events of our lives, that we are looking at our lives through the perspective of God and who He is, and then that we're talking then to our kids about that. And so that we, we begin to help them process life from the perspective of having a God that is involved in our lives, that has things to say to us about our lives, and will, that they will then be able to pick those things up and start to appropriate them and adopt them for themselves. Now, having said that we don't necessarily have to have a schedule, I would also say that it works very well sometimes to have a schedule. That there are certain times in your day when you set aside and you know that at that time we are going to do these things. Bedtime is a great example. I know at bedtime we're going to sit down and we're going to read some Bible stories. We're not going to do Robert Munch anymore today. We're going to do some Bible stories. Or whenever that is. Whenever that works well for you in your world. So it's this combination of doing things all at the, ta- all at the same time. Intentionally and as they happen. And we weave them together. Which brings us to the next point. That our plan should be number two, comprehensive. Which is to say that it isn't just in these little compartments, these little facets of our life, at this time and that time only and then not till the next time. It's not just on Sunday. It's not just when we get within 100 feet of the church that then we switch into to God mode. But rather, that we are working God into everything, our work and our play. That we're working Him into the good things in our day and the bad things. That we are also covering it from morning till evening, not just at bedtime, but when we get up as well. That we find ways to talk to our kids about what's going on. And so that can be a number of different things. It could be the worst song on the radio. Comes on and you're thinking, well, this is not a good time to bring something up. It's a perfect time to bring something up. Point out to your kids how the lyrics and where that song is going is way off the rails. Talk to them about why the philosophy that's being espoused there is garbage. And how it's going to be a a problem for them. How it's going to derail them in their life. At the same time, when something goes extremely well, point to God. And point out the fact that every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And we can take the events of our day and we can turn them and use them always to be pointing our kids back to who God is, what He's all about, and how we should be pursuing our lives. The third thing, really quickly, our plan should also be ongoing. 
Moses doesn't qualify this command to the, the children of Israel. He doesn't say, hey, parents, from age zero to five, this is your responsibility. Impress it upon them till age five. Once they're in school, you're good. He doesn't say, impress it on them until college. After that, they're on their own. He says, impress it on them. And so I believe then that that means for me that if I have parents somewhere in my title, whether I'm a single parent, an adoptive parent, whether I'm a a, a grandparent, a great-grandparent, my job, as outlined to me by Moses and through Moses from God, is to be impressing upon my kids day in and day out who God is and what he says and why it's so important that we follow him. That job doesn't end till I die. Now, really quickly, what does that look like in our lives? It's going to look a little bit different for everybody, I'm sure. But from my perspective, in my experience, it started out with Fran and I trying to make God known to our kids from the time that they arrived. So that though they can't see God, that he was a part of our world, that he was a part of our family. We talked about him. We prayed to him. We would try and talk about the things in our world in the context of him so that they would grow up understanding that God is there, that he is real, and that he is a part of our lives, that he's interested in what they're doing, that he's a part, wants to be a part of their world, that he wants them to go to him and involve him in their lives. So we started out from that perspective. He carried on so that we would try and help our kids discover his character and priorities. And so that means that as we're teaching them the values of life, the things that we want our kids to adopt and and to hold to, that we would tie those things to God. So rather than just teaching our kids to be honest or to be patient, and so on, which is our great things. But if we don't tie them to God, all we've done is we've made a moralist. We've raised our kids to be moralists. We need to take those things and tie them to who Jesus is. We're patient, and we need to be patient because that's who God is. It's a a characteristic of who he is, and he values it, and he calls us to do the same. we, We need to be honest Because God is honest. He's true. And so therefore, we are trying to live and be like him. That's why these things are valuable. Because they come from God. They're not just the end in themselves. They're things that we want to be in our lives. But they come from him. And we try and keep bringing our kids back to him. Thirdly, it became our goal to help them understand our position as sinners, that they are sinners, and that we have a need for a Savior, Jesus Christ, and then to make that decision to follow Him. You know, nowadays there is a a prevailing trend out there, this idea that we can't damage Billy and Sally's psyche, that we have to just coddle them, we have to nurture them, and, and just do nothing but support and edify them, and so on and so forth, which is great. Like, I'm not talking about being abusive here or berating or belittling or things like that. 
But what I'm saying this morning is that we need to have our kids understand that they fall short of the mark. That they are sinners, just like we are sinners. And as such, they are in need of a Savior who is Jesus Christ. And so that as they understand that concept of sin, as soon as they're able to process that in their mind, then be telling them about it and its consequences, and then pointing them to the solution. Please don't. Please don't. Adopt the approach where we do not talk about this with our kids and we just leave it to them to figure out one day. Hopefully, hopefully, they'll be, they'll be able to make their own decision, but it's their decision to make. So I don't want to influence them. I don't want to somehow jade them. No way. Point it out and then help them to understand that they have that decision to make and it's the biggest decision that they'll ever make in their lives. And then help them to make the decision as well. Lastly then, we enter the next phase that we'll be in and we trust that we'll continue to be in for the rest of our lives. And then we'll start over with grandkids when they arrive. Heaven only knows how that's going to go. Anyways. But then we enter the stage once they'd made the decision, thankfully all four of our trolls did, where we help them discover their spiritual gifts. And where we keep underlining for them that God has a plan for them. And we try and help them to grow in their relationship with him. Which is to say we try and find ways to help them exercise their faith. So that they can strengthen their faith. So that they can step out of the boat onto the water in their own little ways, in their own personal lives. So that they can begin to find their faith as their own so that they can stand on it as they begin to encounter the storms of their lives. Now, I'm going too long. Really quickly, Ryan mentioned in week one a quote from Kara Powell, which is that as the church, that we cannot compete with you as parents, that your influence is far greater than ours ever will be, and it's so true. But having said that, for Fran and I, we found it, immeasurably valuable to be able to partner with the church in raising our kids, to be able to have things like Kids Quest, youth, young adults, where we could point our kids, bring them, so that there was others that could speak into their world and reinforce the very same things that we were trying to instill in them at home. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but sometimes kids listen to other people and when they say it, they believe it. And when you, you say it as a parent, they don't get it. Have you noticed that? It is so frustrating. But it is so true. And so it's so important for us. We made church attendance a priority. We made youth and kids quest a priority so that you would be able, and we value so much those that served in these areas because they came alongside of us and they showed our kids that mom and dad aren't the only flakes in that tree. That there are others out here that subscribe to this and that can articulate faith for them so that they would be able to understand it better, that their perspective would be rounded out, but ultimately that they would adopt it for themselves and that they would pursue it the rest of their lives. 
And so we value that so much. And that being the case, I've asked Talisi and, and Darren if they would come this morning and help uh, explain how we want to partner with you as parents to make you successful in raising your kids to accomplish that number one goal of knowing God, honoring and respecting Him, and following Him for the rest of their lives. Thanks, Doug. All right, well, thanks you guys for having me this morning. Um, I know what you're thinking. You got here, you saw Doug come up on stage, and you thought to yourself, yes, I don't have to listen to a Gera today. So I'm very sorry to disappoint you, um, but I think we can agree that at least today, you get to listen to the better half. All right, so, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Talisi Guerra, and I have been the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at FBC for the past seven years. I'm actually on maternity leave right now, but I'm excited that I was asked to come and talk to you about how FBC wants to partner with parents, and probably all the more excited about this concept now that I actually am a parent, because as a new mom, I'm realizing that this idea of intentional parenting is actually a lot harder than I thought it might be. And that's why at FBC we are passionate about partnering with parents and helping parents win. Um, our entire strategy, actually, at FBC Kids is built around this. At FBC, we've got this amazing four-point strategy, think big, think small, think in and think out. But at FBC Kids, we would actually add a fifth strategy point, and that is think orange. Let me tell you what I mean. At FBC, we look at the colors red and yellow as representing two very important influences in the life of every child. The color yellow represents the light of the church, and the color red represents the love of the family or the home. And so when you combine red and yellow, of course, you get something very special, Doug's favorite color, orange. And he wants you to know that he didn't pick out the color of the pews. But we... When we combine the influence of the church and the family, we can do something special in the hearts of the next generation. And that's why we don't want to just have the church over here doing our thing and parents over here doing their thing, but we want to work together because we believe that two combined influences can make a greater impact than just two influences working independently of one another. So I want to tell you a little bit about what we can offer you as you try to live out this real planned parenthood thing that we've been talking about because here are two things that I know about every parent. First of all, every parent wants to be a good parent. There might be some crazy exceptions to this rule, but I know that there isn't a parent in this room that woke up this morning and thought to themselves, gee, I wonder how I can screw up my child's life today. No, we all want to be better parents and we're trying to figure out how to do that. And secondly, I know that every parent can do something more. Now hear me out because I know you're sitting there thinking we've already got hockey and soccer and taekwondo and dance and music, and if you had Ryan as a kid, you've got Magic Club, which I'm not even making up and you can make fun of him for that later, but we have all these things and our kids are so busy and we think, how could I possibly add another thing? But what if you could? What if actually you could take the things that you're already doing, like Doug talked about, driving to practice, having a meal together, tucking your kids in at night, and turn those into opportunities to disciple your kids? Well, we want to partner with you by providing accessible tools to help you do just that. 
And the first tool I want to introduce you is called the Parent Q app. Um, this is an absolutely free app to download, and it's designed to help every parent do something each week to move your child towards a deeper faith and a better future. You're going to find all kinds of great content in this app, including simple cues that you can use throughout the day in the regular rhythm of your week to have these faith conversations with your kids. And what's great about it is if your kids are between the ages of birth and grade six, then the content in this app is totally lined up with what they're learning here at FBC Kids because we know that repetition is so important for children. So download this app, parents. It's awesome. Ryan and I are already actually using it to, to begin developing a foundation of faith in Avra's life. Another tool that we've just recently made available through our website is a host of completely free, really awesome conversation guides for parents. Um, from talking about technology to crisis situations to sexual integrity, we know that these conversations are often kind of scary for a lot of parents. And if that's you, we want to invite you to visit fbcloyd.ca slash parentresources where you can access all of this amazing content that is actually specific to the phase of life that your child is in right now. Um, now I just want to switch gears a little bit and talk about a resource that I think a lot of parents actually overlook, and that is your child's small group leader. At FBC, we want to partner with parents by encouraging parents to partner with small group leaders. At FBC Kids, our small group leaders show up every single Sunday to hang out with your kids, and they don't do that because they hate sleeping in on the weekends. They do that because they know that discipleship happens through relationship, and that relationship happens through shared experiences and fun and consistency over time. And so parents, don't take for granted the fact that there is someone showing up every week to mentor your kids. Leverage that and champion that. Bring your kids to church consistently and encourage that relationship to blossom. In fact, why not even do something outside of church to build into that relationship? Um, get to know your kid's small group leader. Grab the small group leader business card that we provided and put their cell phone number in your phone. Invite them out to lunch after church, or invite them to your kid's ball game or dance recital. I'm not promising that they can make it to everything, but it doesn't hurt to offer that invitation for the sake of building into that relationship. Here's a picture I'm going to show you of Jacob a few years back when he was a small group leader at FBC Kids, hanging out at the birthday party of one of the boys in his small group. So that's just a small example of how you can do this. Parents, you are the number one influence in your child's life, but you are not the only influence that your child needs. So why not be intentional about widening the circle of influence to not just include you or their school teacher or their sports coach, but also to include their small group leader, also to include someone like Jacob who cares about the spiritual development of your child and who wants to show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because sometimes, like Doug said, it takes someone else saying the exact same things that you're already saying, only just saying them in a slightly different way. So don't make the mistake of thinking that you're just getting an hour of free babysitting when you come here on Sunday mornings because you're getting so much more than that. But the impact can be even greater when you lean in 
and you choose to partner with your child's small group leader to influence their faith. Now lastly, before I turn things over to Pastor Darren, I will just finish with this. At FBC, we want to partner with parents by helping parents partner with each other. And there, you know, there are a few ways that we want to do this. We believe that faith is experienced in the context of community, and we try to foster community here at FBC. I'm just going to talk about two ways that we want to do that through FBC Kids. And the first one is family experiences. We host several family experiences throughout the year for the purpose of pouring into families and fostering community. And we know that, like I said, shared experiences over time build into relationships. So take advantage of our family experiences to not only connect deeper with your family, but to connect with other families who are going through that same stage of life as you are. And the second way that we want to help par parents partner with other parents is by giving them opportunities to serve each other. Parents, your child has a small group leader because somebody realized that their faith could impact the heart of your child. So let me ask you this. What if your faith could impact the heart of someone else's child? What if your voice is the voice that that parent is praying will come along in their child's life because your voice will say exactly what mom and dad are saying over there, but your voice will say it in just such a way that it will finally click. We want to encourage parents to partner with other parents by thinking big and serving your church family. Because here's the deal. Your kids need to see you serve. Your kids need to know that being a Christian is more than just something that you call yourself. And if you want your kids to be the kind of people who will grow up to put their faith into action, then no matter how old your kids are, they need to see you put your faith into action right now. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'm going to pass things over to Pastor Darren. Um, essentially, Doug asked me to come up here so that I could be um, the end of his Beauty and the Beast sandwich. So thank you, Talisi, for being so awesome and, and for bringing that to us. Um, man, she just inspires me to want to do better at being a parent. I'll, I'll tell you already, I've, I've failed today. I've, I was a little short with my girls in the morning and just, get up, go, get it going. And uh, thankfully, I have a lot of hours left to make that up. Um, a lot of what I'm going to say is going to sound like a, uh, a skipping record because Doug and Talisi have, have very eloquently said that already. And, but I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of my heart and, and what youth ministry is all about. Um, God says this in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. He says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the mission of the church universal. This is the mission of every person who is a follower of Jesus Christ. We are to make disciples. 
or to baptize them and to teach them to obey Jesus' teachings. And for those of us who are followers of Christ, I think it's more than just our mission. It is our very heartbeat. And um, as a parent, I have realized that my heart no longer resides within my body. My heart is on the outside, running around, getting into all kinds of different things. Um, I have two little girls, um, Vianne, who is seven, and Chloe, who is four. And um, there are a couple of things that I say to them fairly often. I say, I love you, but Jesus loves you more than I love you. And I love Jesus more than I love you. And God has a plan for you. And one day you're going to find out what that is. And, and I, I often, whenever I have a chance to put Vianne to bed, I say that to her. I say, I love you, but I love Jesus more than I love you. And Jesus loves you more than I love you. And, and she, can, she can recite that back to me. I, uh, it's been seven years since I've been saying that to her. And, and, and the reason I say that to her is because one of the greatest desires of my life um, is that my kids will grow up to be followers of Jesus Christ. That is it. I, I don't care about anything else in, in comparison to that when it comes to my girls. I want them to follow Jesus. You know, I want them to be healthy. I want them to be successful. I want them to enjoy life. But above all, I want them to follow Jesus. And if that means that they will experience shipwrecks or prison or stoning like Paul did, Praise be to God. Um, I just want them to follow Jesus. And, and I know through conversations I've had with parents here that that is the heart of a lot of you, that you want to see your kids following Jesus. And that is so, so important. And that is the whole reason we exist as a ministry at FBC Youth. It's to make disciples of Jesus. And, and, and teenagers are going through a crazy time in their lives. Perhaps the most volatile, volatile time in, in a person's life is when they're an adolescent. Um, I don't know if you guys remember when you went through puberty. Um, some of you guys are still going through it. It's cool. It's cool. Um, but our bodies were changing. Our minds were changing. We were trying to figure out who we are, and we were also trying to figure out who we want to be. And in the entire process, we're also trying to wrestle independence away from our parents and try to be this on our own. And, and, and as parents, we're in this tension of trying to wrestle with giving them independence, but also knowing that they need us so desperately for so many different things. And so teenagers are going through this, and, and parents are wondering, do my kids care what I think? Do my kids care about what I have to say? And um, believe it or not, your teenager really does. There's been a lot of research done, and, and I've done some of my own where I've actually gone out to malls and I've surveyed teenagers and stuff. And when asked, teenagers will actually admit that the number one influence in their life are their parents. Mind-boggling in my set. I expected media or friends or something like that. No, hands down, every time, parents are the number one influence in a kid's life. Number two was friends. And number three was a non related adult. And I think that's where youth comes in. Because as, as a church, we are trying to partner with you, and as youth, we try to partner with parents. But we also provide an opportunity for kids to be with other kids 
who are pursuing Jesus, and we provide an opportunity for kids to interact with other non-related adults who love Jesus and like teenagers. Because let's face it, not everybody likes teenagers. Um, I do. I love them to bits. My entire life has been revolving around teenagers since I was born. And um, God has blessed me by allowing me to be the youth pastor at this church for the last 11 years. It's kind of crazy, but it's awesome. And um, one of the things that we try to do in our youth ministry is we try to focus in on the things that will help your children be disciples of Jesus. And so we looked at um, an example that we saw in Scripture in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and, at the many, and many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If our mission as Christians and at FBC Youth is making disciples, then I think this is, this is the blueprint for how that mission is accomplished. And, and so... Uh, at a typical youth gathering, we do these things. We gather together and we have a meal together. Uh, we sing songs of praise. We share testimony of what God has been doing in our lives. We share our salvation testimonies. We pray together. We look at Scripture together. And we, we just we do life together. And we try to move forward as we're following Jesus. And... and we attempt to partner with you by not only just providing a voice that is similar to yours, but it's slightly different tone so that maybe they might hear and maybe they might listen. But we also try to f push everything back to you. So many times kids have come into my office and they talk to me about stuff that's going on in their lives. And my very first response, and, and this is something that I've said with all of our leaders, our first response is, have you talked to mom and dad? because we always want to push it back to you, because you are the primary influence in your kids' lives. And it's so important that we do this together. Next year, we're going to be changing some things up in youth, and I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about that. Um, next year, we're actually going to be splitting our youth group um, in two. So we're going to have a senior high meeting on Wednesday nights and junior high meeting on Sunday nights. And we're doing that to be a little bit more intentional in how we teach. Because a grade 7 kid and a grade 12 kid are at completely different stages of life. And we recognize that, and so we want to be intentional in that. I want to let you guys know that um, going forward. I've talked to a, a lot of you, and, and um, I'm just giving everybody the heads up now. But our, ultimately, our desire is that we collectively, together as a church, raise our children up to follow Jesus. And, and so what Doug was saying, being intentional... Uh, making it comprehensive and, and making it ongoing is so important. And, and hopefully we can do this together as a church. I'm going to close off our time now. I'm going to pray. And then uh, I hope that you guys have an amazing week.